This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. We are in week three of our sermon series in the book of Habakkuk. And I have enjoyed this as a small book of the Bible. Um, but it's been a, an important book of the Bible. And we've asked the question, where is God when life goes wrong? And I don't know about you, but life goes wrong. Um, and it does. Especially from our viewpoint. And so I would say if we were to take a hand-raised vote in here of how many people feel like they've been through a season of their life where things went wrong. Raise your hand if you're with me. Season of life when things just seem to go wrong. And that's what we've been talking about here in the book of Habakkuk. I believe that we've been encouraged. Uh, By the way, Mother's Day was last Sunday. Uh, Wonderful day. And thank you uh, so much to those of you that were able to be here for that. So we stepped out of Habakkuk last Sunday. Um, And then we are stepping back in to close it out today. The title of today's message is simply this, While I'm Waiting. While I'm Waiting. We've been on this journey with the prophet Habakkuk. And remember, the name Habakkuk literally means one who embraces. So his faith and his love for God. But his name also has a secondary meaning of one who wrestles. And so think of the way that I view this as I view a child who is maybe angry. Maybe they've, uh, maybe they've uh, been lost and their parent finds them and there, there's like a level of anger there, but there's a level of love there. I'm hugging you, but I'm fighting you while I'm hugging you. And that's kind of the way that Habakkuk's relationship with God has been. We picked up in chapter 1 in the book of Habakkuk and we spoke about the fact that Habakkuk looked around him and the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom, there was war, there was fighting, there was the words that he used, that Habakkuk used, there was violence, there was iniquity, there was trouble, there was strife. There was contention. Sounds like some of y'all's houses this week, right? (laughs) Be real. Look, we're in church. You can't lie in church. That's my favorite Christian thing. Don't lie in church. So what you're implying is, once you get out here on the sidewalk, lie all you want to. Just don't lie in church, right? But man, Habakkuk looked around and he said, all around in my life, there's this turmoil. There's this strife. There's this negativity. There's uh, the, the evil, the wickedness, the iniquity. They seem to be advancing and the people of God seem to be retracting. And I don't understand what's going on. And in our first sermon, we asked this question from Habakkuk. And the question was, I wonder where God is. I wonder where God is. I look around in my life, and I'll be honest with you right now, I don't feel like God's very present. 
I look around in my life right now and I don't sense God working specifically in my life right now. And I believe if you've not been at that place in your spiritual life, then you will soon at some point in time get to that place where you look around and you ask an honest question of what's going on here, God? Where are we at? Where are you at? And Habakkuk was wrestling with whether or not God still cared. Was he even still there? And we saw God answer that question, by the way. He answered Habakkuk's question of, I wonder where you are. And he answered that question with, I'm about to do something that you're not going to believe. And he kind of sets Habakkuk up for like an amazing ending. I am going, I am going to show you something that you would not believe. And Habakkuk's like, all right, lay it on me. How are we going to conquer the enemy? How are we going to come out victorious? How is the nation of Judah going to be the prominent nation again? How are you going to do this, God? Because I know that's what you got to do because that's what I told you to do because I tell God what to do. And God replies, I'm going to do something amazing. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. No one's going to believe it. Wait a minute, God, those are our enemies. Those are the ones who want to destroy and to, to kill us. You're going to raise them up. And we talked about how God doesn't always give us the answer that we think we need. And I, this isn't the sermon today, but I, I, can, I can raise my hand and say I am guilty of coming to God with my needs and my prayer requests and, and my wants. And honestly, I come to God with here's what I need and here's how you need to meet that need. When the truth is, we ought to go to God and say, God, I know myself. I don't even know what I need. I don't even know what I need. Much less how you're supposed to meet it. But Habakkuk, God answers Habakkuk with an answer that he wasn't ready for. And in the end of chapter 1, Habakkuk responds, to be honest with you, fairly aggressively with God. He almost questions the very nature of God. This is more than just, God, where are you? This is, is this God the real God that I ought to be serving? If that's the way it's going to be. And he reminds God of his holiness and his everlasting nature. And he basically says, God, you, if you are the one true God, this is what you've said about yourself. And he kind of challenges God. And God hears Habakkuk's challenge and answers with some instructions that we talked about in the second week of our study. He tells Habakkuk to do three things. To listen. I said that I translated in 2019. It is shut up. Right? Just shut up. That's sometimes the most spiritual thing we can do. It's just shut up. If I said that not around my daughters, they would not. They, Dad, you said the S word. So anyway... <laughs> there's some sermon illustrations in there about S words and things like that. What your kids think certain words are and what you think certain words are don't match up. So anyway, so when they're telling their sister for saying certain words, it's probably not what you think it is. So anyway, it's all good. <laughs> but he says to listen. He tells Habakkuk to document, write down. I'm about, I'm, about to, I'm about to say something. I'm about to declare something. I want you to write it down. And we talked about the power of just making notations of when God speaks to you or God shows you things throughout the day. But then he tells Habakkuk this. This is a four-letter word we don't like to use. Wait. 
wait. I'm about to tell you something, but you're going to have to wait for it to come to pass. Lord, help. We are the most impatient society. We can't wait for anything. A, uh, Aladdin's coming out on May the 24th. I can't wait. John Wick came out last, this week, and I can't wait. I saw a preview for a new movie this week. It had me, like, glued. Angel has fallen. I can't wait. It's coming out in, October, in, in August. I can't wait. I need lunch. I can't wait. So I got to go, not on Sunday, but I got to go to Chick-fil-A because Chick-fil-A gets me through quick. I can't wait. And we live in a society and we've become so reliant upon the here and now and the on-demand. I mean, I don't even have to wait around to watch my favorite, you know, sitcoms. I just find them, download them, watch them whenever I want to. I don't even have to wait to DVR them. I don't, have to, I don't have to put a VHS in and set the timer and record them on my VHS like I did when I was a kid. I didn't have to do that. I don't have to go to the store to buy a CD. Kids don't even know what they are. I don't have to go, I don't have to, they don't know what FYE is, the, the music store. They don't even get it. We don't have to wait for anything. And God tells Habakkuk, wait. And can I just say this? He didn't say wait for like a day or two. Okay, God, I'll wait. It's Sunday. I'll get back with you on Thursday. No, I mean, I'm talking about hundreds of years. Truthfully, it really didn't come to pass until 600 years later at the birth of Christ is when the wheels really began turning. Things happened between, obviously between that and, and, and the birth of Christ, but he said to wait. So to Habakkuk, God says, continue to stand, to wait in your storm. Continue to wait in the negativity. Continue to wait through the, the, the rough and difficult time of life. And then God spends the remainder of chapter 2, and we're not going to read it all, assuring Habakkuk that I am the God that you worship. I am the God that you serve. I am a righteous God. I love righteousness, and I hate evil. I will punish the wrongdoers, and I will reward those who do right. And God, God assures Habakkuk that I am the God that you think that I am. I'm just not operating right now at the pace you think I ought to operate at. And so God closes chapter 2 of this book, verse 20, with, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. I'm reminded of the passage in Isaiah where he saw the Lord high and lifted up. King Uzziah. Here, God says, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. And that's where we pick up for today's message. God declares his holiness and his power over wickedness to Habakkuk. And after all Habakkuk's two chapters worth of embracing and wrestling and struggling and faith and doubt, how will he respond? After God declares his righteousness and his holiness. Heavenly Father, speak through your word today. I pray that we would gather from it what you would have us to gather this morning. God, that we would be a people who 
love Your Word and respect Your Word and honor Your Word. God, I pray today we would leave here with help from Your Word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We cannot miss the importance of the last verse of chapter 2. And by the way, as you're reading your Bible in your own personal life, which by the way, you, you should be doing, every follower of Christ should be, uh, should be doing that to some degree uh, on a consistent basis. But as you read your Bible, I am uh, prone to this. I oftentimes allow the chapter breaks to determine the thought breaks. And that's not necessarily always the case. Okay, so just because a chapter ends and another chapter begins does not mean that that thought is not connected. So we're going to see that last verse in chapter 2, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. And we'll begin in chapter 3 with a prayer that Habakkuk the prophet prays. You see, once Habakkuk saw the Lord for who he is and who he was, the one who was reigning on high in his holy temple, Habakkuk's response was prayer, adoration, and worship. Let's look at verse 2 of the third chapter in the book of Habakkuk. Verse 2 says, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it your work known. In wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. Let's look at number one, Habakkuk's petition for the people. He goes to the Lord in verse two, and he asks for something. He petitions to God, to Creator God, and He says, God, revive Your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make Your work known. In wrath, remember mercy. What did He petition to God for? It's basically three very easy things. The first thing He asked for was, God, please revive Your work. Revive Your work in the nation of Judah. Revive Your work in my life and my heart. Revive Your work in the hearts and the lives of people around us. And today, if, if I could stand in the place of a back and go before the Lord God and ask Him for one thing, it would be, God, revive my heart individually. God, revive my family's hearts. God, revive our church family. God, revive our community. God, revive our nation. God, revive our world. You see, what's, what's the biggest problem in Christianity is that we become stale and very stagnant and we oftentimes fall asleep at the wheel in our Christian lives. And every now and then, you know what we need? Wake y'all up. We need that. We need a revival. A waking up. We need a cold water splash in your face, rubbing it all in, looking at the mirror. We need, it's pitch black in your room and you're asleep and the second your alarm clock goes off, someone flips on the light at the same time. And you're about to smack somebody. You knock four pictures off the wall and kick a hole in the wall before you can get to the alarm clock to turn it off. Every now and then, we need a revival. And church people, if y'all grew up in church, 
revival and being on fire for the Lord and being fully sold out and dedicated to God and letting it consume you is not for teenagers only. It's not for just young adults. Oh, you guys ought to get that fire. Man, you ought to go on those mission trips. Man, you ought to serve. You ought to really care. Yeah, they should. But so should, so should 36-year-old me. So should fill in the blank year old wherever you're at in life. You see, we need a revival, and Habakkuk prayed that God would revive his work. And God, send a revival. No, no, no. Don't send a revival in someone else's life. Send a revival in my life. Don't send a revival. Don't send a revival corporately in a big group of people so that I can say, oh, we at our church, we do this, and God's not really tugging on your heart. That's why I like a little bit of a smaller church. No shade. I'm not throwing any shade here. I'm just being real. It's very easy to go to a really, 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 really big church that's got thousands of people and say, we just did this. When the truth is, all your butt did was show up and sit in the back and go home when it was over. It's going to be real. If God's going to revive a work in our church, you know what it's going to be? Individual people all across this room. God revive it. This I wouldn't plan on. I ain't got any notes on this point. So the Lord's just leading here. I can't be held responsible for what I say. All right. But if God's going to do something in this church, it's going to be because individuals in this church get a revival started in their own hearts and their own lives. Hey, we're not going to support missions because somebody else does it, because someone else takes some money and gives it to missions. It's because we do it. Hey, we're not going to we're not going to see uh, people who who have never known Jesus before as their Savior come to faith in Christ because somebody else has a conversation with them. It's going to be us. Revive your work in the in our midst, in the midst of the years. So he petitions to God to revive his work. And can I say this this morning? Can we petition to God just to revive us? To wake us up? Some of us have been in dormant mode spiritually. And we need to awaken. But not only does he pray and petition to God to revive his work. But Habakkuk petitions to God to reveal himself to the people. You see, what is true revival? What is true revival? Revival, when I was a kid, you know what revival was? You shouldn't be listening to that bad music, so we're going to build a bonfire and I want you to throw your CDs in the fire. Or even better, I want you to take this stick. This stick is the bad thing you're doing in your life. And I want you to throw that stick in the fire. When that stick burns up, that's signifying all the bad things you're doing in your life. Getting, believe me, there's bad things in all of our lives that we need to get rid of. Yes, I'll, I'll be the first. Okay? But what did revival look like? Revival legitimately looked like God revealing himself to his people. Hey, listen, you will get back on fire for God. Revive, wake yourself up spiritually. When you truly see God... For who he is. When you, when you are writing Habakkuk 3, 1 and 2, but you can't get your mind off Habakkuk 2, 20, but the Lord is in his holy temple, let all the earth keep silence before him. It's when I gotta go to work, Habakkuk 3, 1 and 2, but I can't get my mind off Monday afternoon or Thursday morning. I can't get my mind off the Lord in his holy temple, let all the earth keep silent. 
See, we will have a revival in our lives when we see God for who He is. And that is the ever-present, all-knowing, and all-powerful Creator and Lord of the universe. You see, you can't compartmentalize Him. This isn't your God time. And then tomorrow is your time. And then, okay, God, I'm going to work, and I act like a complete heathen at work. But when I come home, it's family time, and I know I need to be a good parent, so like I'm going to pull you back in for this part. But then I need you to move out because I'm going back to work tomorrow, and i got to compartmentalize that. And then, oh, Sunday. God, it's your day, and what you really mean, it's, it's your two hours. That's not, revival is when God reveals himself in your midst, everywhere, all around you, so that when you go to work, you know you're working for his glory, and you know that you're working because he gave you the ability to do so, and at work, you are looking for opportunities to share his love with someone. You're looking for opportunities to, uh, maybe on your break, to open up your app and, and read his word for a little bit. Hey, at work when it's lunchtime, you're, you're okay bowing your head and, and, and giving God thanks for the food that you're about to eat in front of your coworkers and not doing like the fake sneeze prayer. Like you're out to lunch and it's like, nobody else is praying? All right. God, thank you for the food, man. Come back up and you're done. No revival is when God reveals himself. I love this. In wrath, remember mercy. Now Habakkuk obviously is not reminding God of things that he doesn't know. But Habakkuk is basically claiming, hey, God, just just so, I'm just declaring this. God, in all your wrath, in all your punishment of the wrong, God, continue to show us mercy. And I look at that in my life and I say, God, if you're going to revive me, if you're going to truly be in my midst in my life all the time, then I'm going to fail and I'm going to deserve your wrath and I'm going to sin. And there's going to be times when I do the things that I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I want to do. Romans 7, Apostle Paul. There's going to be times. But God, just remember mercy. God, if I could claim your mercy. His mercies are new. Every morning. Every morning. You see, Habakkuk went to God on behalf of the people. And by the way, that was Habakkuk. Most prophets came to the people on behalf of God. They would spend time with God and God would give them a word and then the prophet would declare it to the people, not Habakkuk. Habakkuk spends three chapters going to the people, talking to the people, seeing the condition of the people and then saying, God... Please, on their behalf, please, God, please. He petitions to God on the behalf of the people. Oh, Lord, that you would revive our hearts today personally, that you would reveal yourself more clearly in our lives today, and that you would remember mercy. Yes, you're a just God. You're a righteous God. You're a holy God. You cannot condone sin. But God, would you have mercy? Would you have mercy? His petition for the people in verse 2 Secondly, this morning, I want us to see this as praise and adoration to God. There are about 14 verses here, and we're not going to read them all, all right? But there's about 14 verses here from verses 3 down to verse 16 
And Habakkuk goes on about a 14 verse tear, highlighting many wonderful and mighty and powerful acts of God. And here are some of the things he said. Habakkuk said about God, his brightness was the light. He had rays flashing from his hand and there his power was hidden. He, God, stood and measured the earth. He looked and startled the nations and the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills bowed. His ways are everlasting. Habakkuk says about God, The mountains saw you, God, and trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered its voice and lifted its hands on high. God, you control everything. God, you are the creator, the maker, the sustainer. You are everything. Rewind to the beginning of the... Do you like how I did that? Walk back and everything. Rewind to the beginning of today. Rewind two weeks ago in Habakkuk's questioning. And we talked about how Habakkuk was literally questioning the very character and nature of who God was. That was just the previous chapter. Notice the difference today. Notice the difference in chapter 3. He's no longer questioning God's nature. He is now proclaiming God's nature. He is now highlighting God's nature. He is now worshiping God because of His nature. Now he goes from questioning to highlighting the amazing power of Creator God. And can I just say this? Habakkuk praised God in the middle of his problems. Habakkuk praised God in the middle of his problems. You say, i got a bunch of problems in my life. You're probably correct. You may have more problems than anyone else in this room. I don't know. But Habakkuk chose to shift from questioning the very nature of God to celebrating the nature of God. To worshiping God for who He really and truly is and was. You see, Habakkuk got on a praise break, which we need every now and then. Stop and praise. Stop and show gratitude. Stop and show thanksgiving. Most annoying thing in the world is some of y'all, y'all gonna probably do it and it's all good. It's not really that annoying. I was overstating that. But the month, the month of November, I'm going to do 31 days of Thanksgiving. Well, what about December through October? Like, I'm glad you're taking the month of November and highlighting everything you're grateful for. Praise the Lord. Well, it's May. It's okay to highlight and thank God for something in May to give Him praise and give Him adoration in May. It's okay, even though it's feeling like the middle of summer out here today, even though it may be hot, even though there may be problems in your life, giving Him praise and adoration and showing Him worth this morning is what Habakkuk did. And I want us to see this. How could that happen? How could that happen? I believe we see it. Beginning in verse 17, his perspective changed. His perspective changed changed look at verse 17 though the fig tree may not blossom nor fruit be on the vines though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls yet 
Well, I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on the high hills. What a difference in the prophet Habakkuk when he chose to praise. What a difference. Can I, can I, I'm, this is the crux of the message. Key in right here. Habakkuk's circumstances never changed. Let it sink in. Habakkuk's circumstances never changed. There was still iniquity. There was still sin. All of the bad things that were happening in the beginning of chapter 1 in the book of Habakkuk were still going on. Habakkuk was still in the waiting stage of his life. But while I'm waiting, I will worship. While I'm waiting, I'm going to worship God through it. See, his circumstances didn't change. Look back at verse 17. We just looked at it. These are word pictures. But look, the fig tree, it's not blossoming. The fruit, not on the vines. Hey, the labor of the olive, it failed. The fields gave no food. Hey, there are no, there's no flock. The flock was cut off from the fold and there's no animals. There's no herd in the stalls. Hey, life still stunk. Everything was still bad in his circumstances. His circumstances did not change, but his perspective had changed. You see, to praise God through our problems, we must position ourselves in the proper perspective. If we're going to praise through our problems, we must position ourselves in the proper perspective. And I I hate to oversimplify this. But if you find yourself at a moment and a season of life where you're doubting and you're becoming very skeptical of God and what He's doing in your life, I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but I am saying that you've got to change your perspective. And at some point in time, with your words and with your heart, you have got to cease from constantly questioning God's character and constantly pointing your finger at God. And at some point in time, you've got to lift your hands to God. And you've got to say, God, things are still bad. They're still bad. Things are still tough, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Hey, circumstances are still bad, God. And and, and truthfully, I had some questions two chapters ago, and I probably still have the same questions now, but I'm going to choose to worship the Lord God, who is my strength. You see, Habakkuk's perspective changed. He went from questioning to resting. He went from anger to worship. He went from wrestling to embracing. The truth is this, there will be seasons of your life that you cannot change. Circumstances legitimately beyond your control. And for all you control freaks out there, that is a tough one. 
And there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it except to change your perspective. To change your perspective. You see, those obstacles can become opportunities. You see, the waywardness can become acts of worship. You see, the doubt can turn into praise. It's all about your perspective. I didn't show this picture because it's borderline inappropriate. But I don't know if you've seen this. It's of, I think it's Prince Harry. And he is doing this, showing the number three to someone. But the camera angle is right here for people in the middle. And for, I guess, there was a, people thought that it was, he was giving the middle finger to someone as the prince, which is, anyway, not very princely. But the picture I saw was, hey, when you change your perspective, you understand a little better. You see, life, life stinks sometimes. There are circumstances in your life, just like Habakkuk, I look around and God, it seems like everything that's supposed to go right is going wrong. And everything that I need to go wrong seems to be going right. And I don't need it to go right. I need that stuff to fail. I need this stuff to succeed. And life sometimes is going to, it's going to knock you right off your feet. But your perspective is what matters the most. Can I give us, as we did in the book of Ephesians, can I give us just a couple of practical takeaways from the book of Habakkuk as we close this morning? Practical takeaway number one, God can handle your questions, your doubts, and your skepticism. God can handle it. He is the creator of all the universe. He is a sustainer of life. He's the giver of life. He has the numbers of hairs on your head numbered. And for some of you men, his job is not as difficult as it used to be. But he can handle your questions. He can handle your doubts. And there's nothing to be ashamed of by going to your creator, God, and saying, God, I don't, I don't get it. God, I don't understand. God, why? Why? God can handle your questions. And can I say this? To the best of our ability, Keystone Church wants to be a church that can handle all your questions and all your doubts and all your skepticism. You see, some churches kind of have that vibe that if, you don't, if you're not 10 out of 10 lining up, then there's no room here. There's no room for doubts and questions. Well, let me just say this. There's always room for doubts and questions here. You say, but I'm a bad sinner. Well, welcome to the club. Sinner's club. We're not a museum. We're not a, we're not a car show. We're a mechanic shop. Okay? That's what we are. This, if you got, if you got a, you know, old school Mustang, all polished up and looking pretty, this ain't, this ain't the church for you. Unless you're going to use the parts from that Mustang and break them down and help some other people who's got a Pinto. Got some problems. Got my, when I was a kid, I wanted a Geo Storm. I have no clue why. I was like eight years old. It's like the worst car ever. This ain't, this ain't for you. If spiritually, if, you're gonna, if you want to cruise in 
rev your engine, turn up your stereo, and go home, this ain't the church for you. But if you're cool with getting your hands dirty a little bit, dealing with some doubts with some people that might be different than you and, and, and dealing with some questions that they may have, hey, that's what we're here for. God can handle your doubts and your questions and your skepticism. Second practical takeaway, God does not owe you the answer that you think you deserve. God does not owe you the answer that you think you deserve. Not much to be said other than that. But can I just say that sometimes the answer you think you deserve would probably wreck and ruin your life quicker than you ever thought it would. God doesn't owe you the answer that you think you need. Thirdly, practical takeaway, God's timetable is not our timetable. God's timetable is not your timetable. In God's clock, a day is as a thousand years. We cannot comprehend that. Our nation has only been around for a fraction of that. We can't comprehend that. There, there were 600 years between Habakkuk and Jesus. That's like double America. The existence of our country. God's timetable is not your timetable. You say, well, I mean, then if it's not, if it ain't gonna, I mean, then I guess I'm just going to be... I'll be dead. Okay, maybe his timetable is you'll understand it better by and by. Maybe his timetable is I'm going to fix everything and it's when you are glorified and you're in heaven. God's timetable isn't our timetable. I I told you all at the beginning of the series, this is not a sitcom series. This isn't make you laugh, present a problem, and then make you laugh and the credits run. That's not the series. Fourthly, there's only one more after that. We may never be able to change our circumstances, but we can change our perspective. We can change our perspective. Are they obstacles or are they opportunities? If I may, 17, 18 months ago, I'm sorry, 18, 19 months ago, Dawn gets diagnosed with inoperable brain cancer. Don, is that an obstacle that's going to keep you home from church and make you completely go away and not reach out to anybody and not be a blessing? Or is this an opportunity for Don's Zweck to come here every single Sunday and hug your neck and speak to you? Is it an obstacle or is it an opportunity? You can't change your circumstances. But you can change your perspective. You see, there are people that Dawn doesn't even realize that know who she is. That would have never known who she was had she not been diagnosed with that terrible disease 19 months ago. There are people who pray for her and she doesn't even know it. And they've never met her. Is it an obstacle? Or is it an opportunity? And then lastly... If I may say, God is worthy of our praise, even in the difficult seasons of life. He's worthy of our praise. I'll be honest, 
I don't think when Habakkuk got to that phrase, I believe it's in verse 18, where he says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my dear... My, I don't believe that Habakkuk was like, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yeah! No, you know, I, I honestly, I, I think that through tears, probably very solemnly, Habakkuk said, life's terrible. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Life is tough, but I'm going to joy in the God of my salvation. Everything around me seems very powerful. All the negativity, all the sin, but the Lord God is my strength. He will make my deer, my feet like deer's feet. Strong. He will make me walk on my high hills. God is worthy of your praise, even in the difficult seasons of life. Can I encourage you to praise your way through your problems? To praise your way through your problems. Can I encourage you to, yeah, you're going to wrestle every now and then with the idea of God and your faith, and you're going to wrestle every now and then. Can I encourage you to embrace? In all your doubts, can I encourage you to have faith? In your difficult times and in the struggling seasons of your life that Habakkuk had been going through and was going to continue to go through, Will you praise through your pain? Will you praise through your problems? And you say, why, Josh? Because they're going to all go away. Well, one day, they will. And I don't know when your one day is. It might be two weeks from now, and God removes the issues in your life, and you're able to look back very quickly and say, 2020 vision, I see it. Hindsight, that's what God was doing. I moved on to a different season of life. And I pray to God that's what happens if you're in a bad season. But hey, he's going to take care of it one day. And your one day may be when you see him face to face. And praise the Lord for it. Praise the Lord for it. Habakkuk, where is God when life goes wrong? Well, can I answer the question? He is right where he's always been. Where is God when life goes wrong? He's there. You may not be able to hear his voice as clearly because when life goes wrong, it tends to get loud. You may not be able to see him as easily as you saw him because when life goes wrong, there tends to be billboards flying by you at rapid paces that get you off focus. But he's right where he's always been. Praise him through your pain and praise him through your problems. We're going to pray. This was not a salvation message today. But can I just say, if you do not know Jesus, and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, as kindly as I know to say it, there's no way you're going to be able to do what we just talked about. I, and I'm not trying to, there's, there's no way in your flesh, in who you are, that you can praise your way through it like that. You have no object to praise. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, here's what we're going to do. We're about to praise. I'm about to pray, and all the musicians and vocalists are coming up, and we're going to sing and we're going to worship together.
But if you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, then you've got to start there. You've got to start there. Because at the end of the day, yeah, the worst thing that can happen to a believer is they go to be with their Savior for eternity. The worst thing that could happen to someone who doesn't have Christ in their life, I can't give you that same promise. I've got to be faithful to Scripture and biblical teaching. If you don't know Christ as your Savior today, here's all I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not going to to close out like I typically do in leading you through everything. As we are praising and worshiping to close out this service, as we praise through our pain and we praise through our problems this morning, if you need Christ and you know you need Christ, then in the back by that TV that tells me I need to stop talking because of what time it is. There's going to be a couple of men back there, some ladies. And while we're singing and worshiping, if you'll head back there, we would love to take this Bible right here. And not what we say, what the Bible says about how you can begin a personal relationship with Jesus. It starts there. It starts there. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.